Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Thousands of homeowners affected by the mica crisis are expected to descend all across the city today. Now, this morning they did, of course, on the M50. There was a slowdown protest where they slowed down the traffic on the M50 which didn't keep people very happy about this morning, but now and ever, the government had promised to compens- a compensation package that will be one of the biggest ever in the history of the state, with campaigners saying it's not enough unless every owner receives 100% compensation. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but I don't know if you remember the pyrite situation here in Dublin. The average price of houses during, or the damage during the pyrite situation, which goes back a little while here in Dublin, was 65000 this is slightly different. And I know Donegal singer Daniel O'Donnell has expressed his concerns and support for the homeowners affected by MICA and said that the redress needed to be 100% so people could rebuild their homes. The difference here is an estimated 5,000 homes say, in Donegal are affected by defective bricks. It's the aggregate that was used in the cement that came from the quarries that meant that basically the bricks broke down. Now, according to a report, you know, if, if some of the houses had been pebble dashed, it may have helped a little bit. But what happened is the dampness seeps into the bricks, the aggregate breaks down, which is the mica. And unfortunately, people's houses start to fall apart the same. Some of the houses will have to be condemned, knocked down and rebuilt. Some can be fixed. But the average cost is going to be a lot higher than 65,000 because many of these homes on average can be over two and a half thousand square foot. And this is the issue a lot of people are having. So the government has said, we're going to cap it at 300,000. Mike are not happy with that. They want more because some of those houses will cost more than that to rebuild. And many people are saying, well, why should the taxpayer foot the bill? But then again, you don't want to see people homeless either, do you? So the question is, who pays for it? But I want to know today more about the protests. And many people have said, look, I support Mike, I support farmers, I support taxi drivers, I support protests. But when you take it out in the street and affect everybody else and people trying to get to work, etc., you start to lose my support. The number is 87 I want to know, do you still support protesters when they affect you directly? Now, I understand we all, all our empathy and sympathy goes to anybody whose house is falling apart at the seams. I would hate it to happen to me or to anybody else for that matter. Uh, the number is 87 Should the government be doing more for the micro-protesters? And also, do you support protests when they take it to the streets and inconvenience the general public? That's the question I'm asking today. But I want to go to Lisa, who's from the Home Micro Action Group. Hi, Lisa. Hello there. How are you doing, Lisa? Now, Lisa Hone, you're out at the protest at the moment. Where are you all situated now at the moment? Where, whereabouts exactly are you? Um, we are standing near the Gardens of Remembrance. Okay. And we're just sort of gathering here before we actually start to move um, down the road. Okay. How many people so far do you... Um, just estimate. How many people do you think might be there? It's thousands. thousands. I don't know how many thousands, but it's, it's a very, very significant amount. It's thousands. And it is reflective of the scale and the crisis and the urgency that is going on in the affected counties. Okay, the last of these houses was probably built in around 2009. It was over a kind of 10 or 15 year period. Maybe you could explain to my listeners, because you would know a lot more about it than I do, when this came to light. I mean, when, when was it that people started to realise, my house is falling apart? The original um, campaigners really started in about 2011 to realise that there was something very, very wrong um, you know, neighbours and family started to speak to each other and they realised it wasn't a one-off case. It was actually something that was going on in the community. So on the back of that, they campaigned for years to actually find out what was going on. 
It was determined. It was the mica. All the work is done by the homeowners. So, so to explain to listeners, mica are the blocks. So basically the material that's used for the building blocks. No, mica house. should not be in the blocks. That's the whole point of this. The mica should not be in the blocks. The maximum amount of mica that should be contained in any concrete block is a maximum of 1%. It is normal in these blocks to have 15, 20, 30%. It is totally, totally unacceptable. So, so um, signs on the blocks started to crumble, essentially. Yes, effectively what happens is the mica is in the block in way, way, way higher quantities than ever, ever should be allowed. It has been known for over, uh, you know, 70 years that it is, it is a deleterious substance. It is not suitable to be contained in this type of building material. However, it was allowed to happen. Okay, so, so, so yeah. people would say to you, okay, the first thing anybody would do in this situation, and, and maybe you can obviously uh, put their, our, either our ignorance or our knowledge into place on this one, is that you would go to A, the home bond builders, which is 10 years for, the, for your home bond insurance, or you would go to your own insurance company. Why was that not a remedy at the time? Basically, um, the insurance companies won't touch it because they say the houses were built with deleterious materials, as in they were built with defective materials. So they say the houses were fundamentally floored, so they won't go near it. The home bond also say that they do not cover um, this type of extent of materials in, in, in the home bond. So effectively, all the insurances, all the safety nets that people thought they had, and they would be able to seek redress, it, it's all just evaporated. The minute we actually started talking about it and confronting people, people who you genuinely thought would be able to help us, they all just walked away. Okay, out of the 5,000 homes that are affected across Donegal, Sligo, Clare and Limerick, mainly these are the, the homes that would be affected, how many of those homes would be substantially damaged? And we've seen some of the photographs online, I've seen some of them are horrendous, where literally the house, you wouldn't want to live in yeah. it, you'd be afraid to sleep in it at night. So how... No, well, people are, this is why we're here, people are desperate. This is epic proportions, this is a humanitarian crisis, no, this is not just a kind of, a, a, an issue with just cracks in walls. This is literally people not being able to sleep at night. They are stressed constantly. It is pernicious. It is hard to express unless you are living these circumstances how pernicious this is to your everyday life. It is in your head 24-7. It's when you, with you when you get up in the morning, all day until you go to sleep at night. And that's if you can sleep because you can hear the building moving and cracking and popping and you're literally scared for your life and you're, the kids are scared for their lives. This is why we're here today, because it's way, way beyond a wee crack in the wall. Okay, already the government, I know going back in time a little bit, in June, Leo Varadka asked, was it fair for taxpayers to fund the rebuilding of what he says were large homes? Now, to clarify, unlike the pyrite situation in Dublin, which was an average of 65,000 a house, these are substantial houses. Many of these houses would be in the region of two and a half to 3,000 square foot. And I suppose the taxpayer is saying, well, hold on for a second. I'm all for helping people out at a difficult time. Nobody is suggesting they shouldn't. The government has said, OK, we'll help you out. There's a redress scheme. We're going to cap it at 300,000. But the MICA campaigners like yourself are saying, no, that's not enough. Now, 300,000 is a fair amount of money to rebuild a home because, as we know, you know, the value of a home doesn't represent how much it costs to re- rebuild a home. Although I know building costs are increasing rapidly at the moment. But in saying that, you should rebuild a 2,500 square foot home for about two, you know, 253. 300,000. So why is the 300,000 not enough? Well, can I just say, in answer to Mr. Varadkar's um, comments about the responsibility with taxpayers' money, I would question him where the responsibility was when this crisis was allowed to just rumble on for 13 years. 13 years, these blocks were just being churned out 
unchecked. Okay, so effectively there was no mechanism to mitigate the crisis. Every single year this added to the scale of the crisis. So that would be my question to Mr. Bradker with the responsibility he talks about. The second thing is the houses, the profile of housing in Donegal is no different to any other rural county over the whole of Ireland. There has been some, well, I don't know how to describe it, but it's almost a slur on, you know, like trying to make out that we have these sort of mansion houses. We don't. We have exactly the same type of housing profile that you would find in any rural county. We have three uh, three bed semi-Ds, we have apartments, but because we're a rural county, we also have one-off bills as well. And people have paid their mortgage diligently for years. Imagine paying your mortgage for 25 years, yeah, I think you have the house paid off, and then you discover Micah, and literally your house is worse than yeah, it's not but worth it. But, but that still doesn't answer the question. If I have a two and a half thousand square foot house in Donegal, maybe up in Greencastle or somewhere like that, right? And I have my house and it's two and a half thousand square foot. Nice house. I'm, I'm not using the word mansion. I'm not, I don't want to be disparaging about it. But I mean, you build a, if you want a nice big house, you go to move to rural Ireland because it is cheaper to get the land, etc. We all know that. OK, so you, you build your house. But for 300 grand, I'd build a substantial house for 300,000. So why do we need more than 300,000? Because some of those houses... Well, can I just say now, I'm sorry now, okay. can you just say like all the calculations that we've done the work on? And can I just say it's the homeowner and the campaign groups that have done all the work on this. We have made independent consultations. We have tried to do it fairly. We have had no or very, very little input from government on that. Okay, so we've had to do all the running here to, to get the figures together. And our calculations are based on independent um, bodies like the Chartered Surveyors um, Organisation. And what are, what are your calculations, Lisa? What do you believe the limit should be? Because, look, there has to be a limit. There has to be a cap. It can't just be, you know, a free-for-all. So what do you believe the limit should be? There is a limit, and the limit is based on a square footage allowance as recommended by the Chartered Surveyors of Ireland in, ter- in terms of what it takes to rebuild that house. So it's not a blank cheque. It's limited to... You know, if you've well, got well, it, well it kind of is a blank check if you're saying it from that point of view because I'm not suggesting that many people do have you know five thousand square foot houses. But if somebody did, I mean, is it the taxpayer's responsibility to rebuild that? Some would argue yes if this happened, or some would say no, absolutely not. You know that there, there should be a limit to. I mean, so is there in your mind? Do you believe there is any limit at all apart from what you're telling me, which is the by square footage, which really isn't a limit. It's a limit. In the, it's not a blank check. It's limited by the square footage of your house, and it's based on a cost that is being given to us by an independent body. We haven't made these figures up. These are certified figures by independent experts that know how much it costs to actually build a house. And what, and, are, what, are, the, what are the largest houses? I know the average they've suggested is somewhere between two and two and a half thousand. But what are the largest houses, Lisa? And I, no, again, I respect I'm the sorry, fact that it's Niall, in Rural I'm Ireland. sorry, Niall. You could ask this question of any single county in Ireland. I could come to County Dublin and I can find big houses literally anywhere in Ireland if I want to. The, the larger houses are very limited. They are, okay. uh, they are there, but they're, they're small, as they would be anywhere in Ireland. And can I just reiterate, the housing profile in Donegal is exactly the same as any other rural county in Ireland. And actually, our build costs are the cheapest in the country. So when you talk about what's reasonable, we've basically taken, this is the average house, and this is the build cost that we've been advised. 
that's what we're working okay. on. Okay, what do you expect government to come back with? As, as you know already, they are reconsidering it. Um, they have come back, or they initially came back with 300,000 as a cap. Uh, you're protesting today. Um, what do you expect them to come back with? Do you think you're going to be pleased with the result or do you think you're going to be let down again? I hope that they give us a good, workable solution. We have been let down so many times before. This campaign has taken 10 years. We have been um, trying to get government to take notice of us for 10 years. And that's why we're here today, because there's just been too much procrastination. We've been, you know, brushed off. Um, the can has been kicked down the road too many times. To the point you're, where right, you're right. It would, have been, it would have been cheaper to resolve this about seven or eight years ago. Yeah, we've got a crisis now. And, and can I just say also, just in terms of who pays for it, it's like the, we don't have um, ways of going forward on this. The, the laws don't support us. But if you find something is badly wrong with your home, Irish law does not support you in terms of redress. So you've got a government that has in place no effective way of stopping these things happening in the first place. Like I say, it was 13 years these uh, bad blocks were pumped into the marketplace. So 13 years of housing being built in the building boom. And then when people find that they've got something wrong with their houses, where do they go? All the parties that you thought you could rely on, they walk away. We've tried to prosecute. We've tried. There was 23 legal cases tried to be brought against um, the quarries and the manufacturers and then the, the law does not rep- uh, support our redress it is very very difficult to get redress on any sort of latent defect in your house in this country and you only need to speak to the apartment owners in Dublin with the fire defects and they'll tell okay. you all so, about uh, that So as well as the redress going forward you would like to see regulations, although we do have building regs in this country, you would like to see those regulations enhanced to avoid this happening to anybody again in the future the, the It's un- absolutely vital, it's absolutely vital and we're hoping They're all on the move now are they? Yes, I imagine, yeah, yeah. We're hoping now that this will be a watershed moment um, in, on behalf of all homeowners in Ireland. We're fighting for everybody here because, God forbid, anybody else finds themselves in a situation where they're get to crisis point and they have no way of going forward. We, that is not acceptable, but it cannot be like that any longer. So we're not only fighting for our own homes, our own community and our own families, we're fighting for everybody in Ireland because you are absolutely vulnerable and exposed if anything goes wrong with your home. There is nowhere to okay, go. The, the final question, of course, is in relation to the protest today, Many people will say, look, I support you, Lisa. My heart goes out to you. I hate to see anybody in that situation where you're terrified to live in your own house and you don't have the money to rebuild it. But, you know, slowing down the traffic on the M50, blocking the roads where commuters are trying to get to and from work or vital services is not the answer. And we had this discussion before with the farmers, with the taxi drivers when they went on strike and many others, that when you disrupt the general public, you generally start to lose support. Do you, do you, do you get that or, or is that unfair? I do understand and I do have sympathy with the general public in Dublin and I have to say they've been so courteous and so lovely to us and I have nothing but kind thoughts through them. Um, I can only say that this is an act of desperation on our part. We have been driven to this through 10 years of campaigning, through being pushed away and pushed away to the point where we have to say you've got to take notice of us and I'm really, really sorry that people have to bear the brunt of that. Um, and I apologise to anybody who's been inconvenienced today. 
but we are just literally, we have families on their knees at the moment. And, you know, if, if the questions need to be asked, it needs to be asked of the government, why do people have to make all the run-in for 10 years? We've done all the work on this, and we have been pushed away by successive governments, and we are now desperate. We've submitted our latest um, document, and we're waiting on an answer for that. And we're here today because we're just saying, do not bury it in the long grass. Do not put it into some sort of committee that's not going to see the light of day for weeks or months. We need an answer really, really quick because we have families absolutely on the brink at the moment. OK, well, Lisa, thank you very much indeed. And I appreciate you coming on the air. You made your point very well today. Uh, Lisa, okay. Hun, thank you from the Micah Action Group. Thank you very much. All I right, and enjoy it. the campaign. Are you all on the move there now? Yes. Oh, she's gone. She's gone. I can hear them all getting on the move anyway. Uh, well, there you go. I mean, now you have a fair idea what it's all about. There has been arguments to and fro. Uh, Leo Varadkar did stress back in June. No, I don't know if he's changed his tune on it or not. And he asked, was it fair to expect the taxpayer to fund the rebuilding of large homes? Now, we, we, we all, we've been through this before with Pyrite, which is a very similar situation. It's the construction, basically, of homes, um, you know, which is basically inadequate. So what happens is the homes start to fall apart. Now, let's be clear about it. Most of the 5,000 homes are not falling apart. Some of them will have cracks. Some of them will be worse than others. There are some who are, which are literally condemnable. You couldn't live in them. And that's how bad they are. Um, but as Lisa pointed out, in rural Ireland, people do tend to have larger homes. That's why people move to rural Ireland sometimes, because land is cheaper. You can build a bigger home for the same price. In Dublin, you'll buy a dog box for, for, for 350000 where you move to rural Ireland, you can get yourself a nice 2,500, 3,000 square foot house. She used the word mansion, I didn't. But there you go. Some people might refer to it as mansion. And the argument from the taxpayer is, well, hold on. Why am I footing the bill for someone to rebuild a large home? Give them enough money to build a suitable home for their family. But not something that's three or 4,000 square foot. We don't need it. It's unnecessary. And I, I get why people would say that. Because this is going to cost taxpayers, they, they estimate, up to 3.2 billion euro. 3.2 billion euro is what this redress scheme could cost. So far, the government has said, look, we'll give you a maximum of 300,000. A lot of people say, hold on, that's a fair offer. Because remember, of course, although you might be, say, living in Dublin and you're, you paid 400,000 for your house, it won't cost 400,000 to rebuild it. It'll only cost you about 250 to rebuild it, 200 to rebuild it. Because the building cost is not the, the most expensive part of your house. It's the land it's sitting on. So and they've already got that. So do you support them? Do you support the micro-protesters? And not only that, do you support protests when they inconvenience the general public? Because I've seen some messages online today, people not very pleased by being inconvenienced. Whereas other people will say, well, hold on, Niall. You know, they're out there, they're fighting for their lives. Let them at it. I support them. Doesn't matter if they inconvenience us. We all have to stand behind each other. Let me know what you think. The number is 087-188-008. Do you support protests when they inconvenience the public? And do you support the micro-protest? Let me go to John. John, you're an Ireland's classic kids. How are you doing, John? Hey, now, how are you? Uh, John, I mean, look, this is a difficult time for people whose houses are falling apart, I'm sure. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But do they lose support when they start to inconvenience people? I absolutely think they do, yeah. Well, for a start, I think um, maybe people should look into this Paddy Diver and also who's uh, backing this uh, protest and just to see if it's an 100% grassroots effort. Um, I'm not sure getting permission to do it on a Friday uh, is, you know, if it, usually these things, to my knowledge, happen at the weekend, you know, manifestations, protests. Well, they don't. They don't generally, John. They generally happen midweek. Anytime I've talked about them, they're usually midweek and they cause the maximum amount of disruption. Well, you see, the, the people need to realise that not all protests are created equal. And, 
the ones that cause the most um, issues for people set off alarm bells in my head um, because I start wondering how on earth did they, you know, get permission for that midweek, especially when people are commuting to work and it's the busy, you know, rush hour. Well, when you, when you say get permission, in a lot of protests, they don't get permission. They just inform on Garda Shia Khan they're going to do it. It's not a case of informing the guards and saying, is that okay, which is lads? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they generally will inform the guards, we're having a protest, we'll be marching down the M50, we'll be walking down the M50, we'll be whatever, driving down the M50. Um, and, you know, can you just make sure you have some lads around? And that, that's kind of the way it works. Right, well, uh, picture this. Let's do a little thought experiment. I, I don't know whether your phone is near a radio or something there, John, but you're, you're making that kind of weird buzzy sound. But go on. Oh, we've, we've got bad reception uh, out okay. here in East Cork. Um, okay. No, uh, do, we'll do a thought experiment and let's pretend that it's an anti-lockdown protest uh, holding up the M50 and let's just see uh, how, the, how it gets reported on and uh, uh, if, it w- if it would even happen in the first place. To be honest, I've been at protests like for the last, uh, and I had never gone to protests before in my life now, to be honest with you. But I've been at protests uh, here in Cork. They've all been at the weekend. They've all been, you know, the, the guardy, you know, they, they bring you along in a procession to make sure nothing, no violence happens. No, their job is to keep you. the peace. Yeah, keep the peace. That's their job. You know what I mean? But if, you, if you're going out on a motorway, um, blocking people from going to work and all that, or what the insulated Britain crowd are doing over in, uh, England lying now. on motorways, lying across the road. I mean, that's one of the most reprehensible things you can ever do. I couldn't because agree with you more. It's not a revolutionary act. It, it's it, listen. They think it's just cars on the road, but the cars have been driven by people, and everyone's different. For the love of God, um, stop being so selfish and realize like everyone has their own story. Everyone's doing and throwing every day, not always for for good reasons. You know, I mean. People might be going to the hospital to visit someone who's sick. You know, it's it's the usual. So for God's sake, don't don't get in people's way, and uh, don't stop people from their. Okay, in, re- in in relation to the protest itself, or the reason for protesting, um, you know, the government have already said, look, we will pay the redress, we will pay to rebuild the homes. Uh, it's a lot. It's going to cost a lot more than the pyrite situation in Dublin, which was an average of sixty five thousand a home. This could cost, you know, a lot more. They've they've capped it at 300,000, which is a reasonable price to build, a, a very reasonable price to build a home. You'd build most new homes for 300,000 uh, construction-wise. Uh, but they say, no, that's not enough. We want 100,000 or, or 100% of, of redress because some of those homes are a lot larger than this. Okay, oh. well, there's a few points on that now. Um, number one, the people who are going to have to be paying for this, however much it costs, is... Me and you and the rest of us taxpayers. And the and people who people. live in those houses, they're taxpayers too, you know. Absolutely, and the people who are out in the M50 as well. So if you want to uh, get uh, people behind your cause, stop screwing with them. And, you know, I could say the same thing for um, Extinction Rebellion, uh, Insulate Britain, Black Lives Matter. Stop messing with people, Okay. You want to get people on your side, just stop screwing with them. That's the first thing. Okay, so don't inconvenience the general public and you may get some support is the point you're making. I'm sorry, John, your line was particularly bad, but we got the point you're making. Grace, you're on Ireland's Classic Hits. How are you doing, Grace? Hi. I'd agree with John on a lot of stuff there. First of all, on the redress thing, I thought the statute of limitations was a statute down in law. This on on civil, civil matters is six years, yeah. Yes, it yeah. should be defended. What happens to buyer beware? 
And would somebody tell me out there? Other ah, to be fair, to be fair, Grace. I mean, when you're in a situation where all other protection fails, for example, the home builder's bond, which was 10 years, or your own personal insurance company refused to insure because there was defective bricks used, and then you go back to the quarries and take cases in court against quarries, uh, the people who made the defective bricks, and you lose all that, you don't have another option apart from going to the government and saying, what are you going to do to help us? Well, I don't. I, I, the government shouldn't encroach on the private aspects of, of uh, people's business. It's either a, a republic that looks after the common good or otherwise. And that would be fine if it was one home. I would if it, Or if it was two or three homes. I'd yeah, well, say, I'm sorry, buyer beware. But, as a taxpayer, um, gave all my children deposit for their homes and their houses. Um, I was, uh, my children have to pay for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years mortgages. Why should they have to pay mortgages on where they ab- abode? And why should the people in Northern or in... in in Donegal and Clare to get preferential treatment. We they call about equality. That's not equality to give preferential treatment to some and to dep- deprive others of currency. In other words, of money. Three, well, three point two billion. That's yes. Preferential treatment. And can I can I also say that um, there was a precedent set up here back in North Dublin about the pyrite, wasn't it? Pyrite. Th- pyrite. Yes, sixty-five thousand per home. All, all those issues should have been brought to the court, not for the government of the day, to step in and to offer redress. There is either a claim or there's no claim. And the Attorney General have been remiss over the years, the successive Attorney Generals have been remiss over the years, in not securing the courts in these issues. In other words, the precedent has been set. I could, you could, or some people belong to you could, in some part of far off Clare or Kerry make um, uh, a claim in the future and redress will be offered. It's nothing to do with redress. You either have a claim, a substantive claim, and the people in Donegal and Clare seem to have a substantive claim. The place to give a determination in that is the courts. The courts will set the precedent if it means that the government will have to go down and bend at knees before the public, well, that's their problem. The courts is the place. I mean, I can't say, you broke my eardrum. So, so your argument is, this is a private matter between builders or quarries or whatever it happens to be in people, uh, and that should be taken yes. taken to the courts, which it already was, by the way, in relation, and they didn't do too well on that, unfortunately. Well, it, well it, you know, they come, I don't think there's mass... Um, mass uh, cases in this country, but the courts at the end of the day... You mean a mass lawsuit, yes. ...should be advising the government, but to put it into the, and the Council of State should be advising the government to put it into the hands of, of the the, uh, the courts. In other words, the courts, in any issue, no matter how minor, they become insignificant if you don't use due process. And I see, it's all, and Grace, I'm not completely disagreeing with everything you're saying, and this is, this is also an unprecedented situation, right? And, and if it was a case of it was five or ten houses, I would say, look, take it to the courts, let the courts deal with it, let them set an amount that you should be due in compensation if they believe indeed there's been failings in the way those bricks were built, etc., etc. But when you have one, it on mass of 5,000 people or 5,000 families and homes affected... Yes, one case, Chris, is, is suitable for a court. The court will set the determination for all the other cases then, and the government must comply. If I took a case, at the moment, if I took a case to the Supreme Court, 
if I was allowed by the Attorney General and the government today to get to the Supreme Court, the judge in that Supreme Court, the judges in that Supreme Court, would make a determination that would have to change the government's mind and give that determination to all the 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 who will make a claim. In other words, you set it down a constitutional Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Okay. Now, getting back to the actual protest today, leaving aside your opinions in relation to why they're protesting, um, you know, walking or, should I say, driving slowly down the M50, disrupting traffic, and again, now they're marching, as you know, from, uh, we just spoke to them there a few minutes ago from the Gardener Remembrance over to the Dáil, which is again going to disrupt traffic all day. Uh, you know, people trying to get it, uh, you know, in and out uh, into the city, for example. Well, I think this is, uh, um, for decades back, it should have been handled by the, the uh, Commissioner. Um, many, many decades ago. Uh, you cannot inconvenience one person the right to assemble or the right to go about their business by a minority of people. So if you have 20,000 people marching today, that means my right and your right to assemble, to go about my business, is eroded upon. So the guardy in this case, the guardy are the people who should set times and places for demonstrations. They're quite entitled to demonstrate. They have no right to block my passage to a hospital, to a doctor, to a dentist, to the doll, or anywhere else. And the, and the, the, for, the reason for the guard commission is, is it, it wouldn't cause riots. It would cause more peace because we have Phoenix Parks, we have Marion Parks, we have Bushtown, we have many places of choices that the people... But, but they, will, they will argue that that's not going to achieve anything. Unless they disrupt people, it's not going to get attention. That's the, isn't that the, the, the point well, that's, of it? That's the, that's the thinking on it. But well, the point of course, is yeah. at the end of the day, it's disrupting many more people than it is disruption there. The OK, well, do me a favour. Stay there for a second, Grace, if you can. I want to go to Jimmy as well. Jimmy, you're an Ireland's classic kids. You've heard what Grace has had to say uh, in relation to the protests and also in relation to the way they're being protested has been handled today, Jimmy, and she doesn't support the way it's been done. No, because it's been brought to Dublin. That's why she doesn't support us. And that's why it's been brought to Dublin, because outside of Dublin, nobody gives a damn. The people of Donegal and, and those rural areas of, of northwest of Ireland have lost their fishing, they've lost everything, and nobody cares. And nobody seems to care about this, and it's the west of Ireland is the same. When you say nobody, when you say nobody cares about it, the government have already put together a redress package with a cap of three hundred thousand. I think that's a reasonably fair redress package. Would you the not? Government, the only government are only doing that because on advice from the courts in Europe, they know they have to pay for this. Somebody, you you look at the comparison outside of the dolls of the protest where they where they had Weetabeks comparing to the to the concrete. Who got that wrong? It's the same old story in Ireland. Nobody is ever The builders, the contractors, the planners, the architects got it wrong and the local authority got it wrong. And I may say something to you too. I agree with you. The country has been forgotten. I was in Bagnallstown there a few weeks ago. I toured Ireland with the scouts all over Ireland and I've seen such neglect. It is mm. unbelievable in those yep. villages. Hoardings, even as, as late as asked at summer, Burr. Uh, closed up. Ross Gray, closed up. Houses on top, derelict, and they've not been looked after. Your place is with your TDs. You put, you marked on them if you feel like it. You put the screws into them, not into the people of Dublin. I'm delighted you're in Dublin, but just to go to a place where it is not inconvenient for anybody else. 
That's the wait, only wait, wait, Okay, well, let, let Jimmy just respond to that. Jimmy, she's not disagreeing with what you're saying about rural Ireland and the neglect of rural Ireland. And I certainly wouldn't disagree with you either. But in saying that, the, the way to get support, and we've said this before about the farmers and the taxi drivers and everybody else who did this, is not to annoy the general public. These people who are protesting are law-abiding citizens. They're everyday people. They're Garda Síochána, they're nurses, they're school teachers, they're soldiers, they're labourer people, they're people who work in factories. These, it's not, it's, all people in that area are affected by this. These are ordinary people who I'm sure have never been to a protest, who are non-political in a lot of issues. These are driven by desperation to come out it's like everything you see, if you want to go back to the Olympics, tobacco, everything. Nobody is responsible when, when something happens. But before, the, before it happens, there's CEOs, there's chairmen, there's, there's vice, there's everybody. But once something happens, nobody is responsible. But hang on, Jimmy, with respect, hang on, Grace. The state didn't build these homes. The these, this, is not, this is not social housing. So the state didn't build these homes. No, these are private dwellings, privately built by themselves. Yeah. But the state should have known, and it has enough of architects, enough of planners, to know that this product was wrong. It was bad to people, use this. The private people engaged the architects and the planners well, and, the, uh, and the builders. I didn't do it. And the state and I, the argument is the government has admitted that it's going to pay for it, and it's going well, to pay it for it all. Very wrong, very wrong. And that three and a half billion... Scrapped. That three and a half. should be scrapped. Michael three and started a half. And it all years ago, too. It should be scrapped. I look at the children. employment. But the employment they will create and doing up those houses. Yes, well, the employment, yes, I agree with you to a degree. Uh, there should be more employment in these towns. I cry when I say places like Killala and places, Cove is fairly, uh, fairly thing, uh, fairly uh, business-like. Yeah, but the, the point, Grace, the point Jimmy is making is that, you know, rebuilding these homes, which many will have to rebuild, exactly. will create employment in itself. And the government, three and a half billion is not a lot of money. Ah, we just stop, for God's sake. It's not, Niall, in today's terms. I, I, can, th- I can think of a lot of campaigners and groups out there who would be delighted with 3.2 billion uh, in relation to healthcare, in relation to education, special needs, all other groups that they could do the whataboutery if you really want to go down that road. 3.2 billion is a lot of money. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, you heard me, Jimmy, as well. There's an element of fairness about this. You heard me asking the campaigners, so what cap do you want on it? And they don't want a cap. They just want a, you, a, like an open, it does seem to me like an open check. She said per square foot. I mean, there are houses out there, that, some of these houses that are 4,000 square foot. You, you, you said something there earlier that you can build a house in rural Ireland for 200,000. 250 grand, Go down to yeah. rural Ireland. Sites may appear on some of those property sites on the internet for 60,000 for a site. Go and buy it. You won't get it for 60,000. Yeah, but they already own the site. They're making sites. They, they for- don't have to purchase the sites. The sites are already owned by the families. All we're doing is rebuilding the physical house. That's not going to cost you much more than 200, 250,000. There's another problem, Mike, that you don't seem to be aware of, and that is the rising cost of building. I'm well building. aware of the rising cost of building. Connor, you family in Donegal, and you agree with the protest today, not only the protest, but the way it's being protested. No, I do. Um, to be honest with you, the people in Donegal have been near forgotten about. It's kind of one of those areas that you know is there, but no one really talks about it or thinks about it. Um, you only have to look at the way the pyroid issue was kind of dealt with in Dublin over the last few years um, to realise that the problems in Donegal have been going on for years, but no one's really um, done anything about it. Well, when you say um, nobody's done anything about it or people in Donegal are forgotten about, I, I, I get what you say to some degree, but when you move further afield and you move to a rural part of Ireland 
Um, yeah, I'm not suggesting that all Donegal town is a rural part of Ireland, but when you move out, that does happen. No matter where you're living in England or you're living in America or you're living in Australia, that's what happens. That's just the way it is. And that's why you end up... I mean, the cost of living is a lot cheaper in rural Ireland than it is in a city for that reason. Is it not? Is, that, not, is that the way things just work in general? Yeah, it is and it isn't. But at the same time... Um, it's kind of a classic thing in Dublin. It's kind of oh, once it's outside Dublin, it doesn't really matter. I don't agree. With um, you. I don't. Dublin I don't agree. Dublin is the capital of our country. Listen, I know Donegal well. From Donegal town, right up to Bulcranachilly, Beggs, um, Manor, Hamilton, Greencastle. I know it so well. It's farming agricultural country, and I think that the planners here and the architects are world building and all over Ireland world building in in, in soak trains. In other words, the the what they could drain um, bottoms, in other words, mm-hmm. uh, soft land that was sinking bog land, some of it. I was down in um, Westmead there a while ago uh, in, in near uh, Mount Charles and I saw houses that were once a bog road when I was a child uh, going down into the depths right down the land. And we were told as children, don't go across the road, the bog will get you. Okay, but, so, but just hang on, Grace. So, Jimmy, the point Grace is making is, this is a private matter. Well, well, hang on, Grace. Jimmy, she's saying this is a private matter, and I'm sure you're well aware of people in Donegal whose houses are falling apart. That's not nice. Well, we, 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 not, no, sorry, not you, Jimmy. Yeah, I'm sorry, I do apologise. Um, Connor, sorry. Connor. Yeah. Uh, Connor, so, I mean, do you know people whose houses are falling apart? I do, yeah. Um, as I was saying to your researcher, I think Ruth was her name. Um, I've got probably, my granddad was one of 14, so without being graphic, they were breeding like rabbits up there. So there's about, about 120 cousins that say near half of them um, have this issue at the moment where the houses are coming apart. Um, and then why, and like that, uh, why, only, is, that, why is that a matter for... Walls, okay, why is that a matter, do you believe, for the taxpayer at up to 3.2 billion? Somebody, by the way, on WhatsApp questioned the figure based on 300,000 per home at a maximum because you have to take into consideration rehousing people while they're being built. That's part of the redress and the compensation, now, I imagine. Only for now. Exactly, the house, is basically, the house is basically torn down to the foundations and rebuilt. So you've not only to look at the cost of tearing down the house, you have to... You have to rehome somebody while it's being rebuilt. You have to rehouse them, you have to put all their furniture... So, okay, so the point Grace is making is, why are we responsible for that? Why is the state responsible for that? This is a private deal between a homeowner and a builder. It's a private deal, but the issue has to go to court. And if the builder can't afford to pay it, the state has to pay it. It's the same if you were driving in a car and you were hit by an uninsured driver... The cost of your injuries, say your injuries worth about twenty thousand. State the cost doesn't of your injuries then come out of the state. No, there doesn't. No, there's a levy paid on every car insurance that goes into the Federation of Uninsured Drivers. That is a disgrace. That levy going well, on. But, 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 but it is, yeah. But that's because six percent of people decide to drive with no insurance. But that's a different situation, Connor, and that's that's covered under a levy you pay for your in, in your insurance. Or in the same way, sorry. Can I ask Connor a question? You, you can, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Connor, are those houses that you know of, are they in villages or are they on farmland? Are they suitable for building? Are they built on floodplains? Are they built near rivers? Are they built on our culture land? And these are the issues that the courts will determine. Not because my house, the gables went here or the roof went there. The point is, if you've set a precedent now, the precedent will follow to every village, town and capital in this country. And it won't be, uh, won't be... Um, uh, okay, okay, I, I, I'm running out of time, Grace, but I do get the point you're making. I think Connor gets the point. We could set a precedent by setting up a redress for what essentially is not the government's fault. The state didn't build these homes. 
So you could be setting up a precedent whereby everything that happens in the future, everybody just turns to the state looking for money. Do you see the point that she's making? Exactly, and I don't agree with that because then, like that, you have the chances out there that will build on Bogland and then claim it back. Mm. Um, okay, so, so should everybody? Do you believe three hundred thousand is enough? By the way, I don't. Well, it well, depends. who who it needs could, more than three hundred thousand to build a house outside our, outside Dublin? Who? Well, to be honest, who? I think it it bases on either where your house or not where your house is, but the value of your house. Ah, but give me give me a break, Connor. Who needs more than three hundred thousand? You already own the land. Who needs more than 300000 I know cost of construction has gone up uh, substantially over the last couple of years, but it's not gone up that much. No, but I think that's what you should base it on, on every single house. You could have a cottage. That so they, just no cap, just no cap. 3, okay, so what about a 5,000 bedroom, you know, or a 5,000 uh, square foot mansion? Is the state responsible and the taxpayer responsible for rebuilding that too? They should be, yeah, because oh, you, can't okay. say, you can't say to one person, okay, you have the means to build it yourself. And then you look at the next person and say you haven't got the means to build it yourself. No, you just saved the person with the 5,000 square foot house. I'm sorry, the state will give you some money, but we can't rebuild that house for you. If you want to downsize a little bit, because you don't need a house that's 5,000 square foot. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.